Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome back to 32 Fans in 32 Days. I'm Alex Chester. Now with me today is Wheels Wienerker. Wheels, he finally got the vid. Uh, I don't know how he escaped it for this long, but now that he's in a home all alone and doesn't see anybody else, all of a sudden he uh, got sick. So uh, a refuish lema to him. Uh, by the time this podcast is dropped, he will be very healthy because and well out of quarantine because we're recording this in July, uh, more than 32 days before the season starts. With me, though, to talk about the New York Giants is Yoni Weisel. Yoni, have you ever had COVID? Um, I did, actually, yes, yeah. uh, around Christmas time this past year. I think that it must be regional because 90% of the people I know, at least, have had it. But I saw Akiva put a poll up on Twitter. Have you ever had COVID? And it was like 50-50. So my guess is that maybe in, in, in less urban areas, maybe, or, or in other parts of the country, the, the rates must be much, much lower. I think either everyone's lying or it's also possible that Kiev only associates with hermits like himself. So they just never leave the house. Yeah, That's... I don't know. I don't know what incentive you'd have to lie in an anonymous Twitter poll about what, you know, you're, but who knows? Maybe you're right. I remember <clears throat> in 2020. So this was still earlier in COVID. At that time, I had not had it. But there was a survey question. Do you know anyone who's gotten COVID? And. It, I mean, 100% of people in New York and New Jersey said yes. Like, it, like you know, it was impossible to not know people who had, had COVID. And yet, even at the time, it was like a minor, only like 35, 40% of Americans knew anybody who had COVID. So, yeah, I think it's it must be regional. But uh, we're here not to talk about COVID, but uh, an even more uh, destructive blight on the New York metro area, and that's the Giants. Well, that was certainly the case last year, the year before, the year before that. <laughs> we could go back a while with this. It's kind of crazy, think- like... Other than, listen, you know, you can't take away Super Bowl rings, flags fly forever, all that. But like other than those two fluke seasons, this team has not won a playoff game since we were in high school. And we're almost 40. That's true. Um, I mean, I'm not ready, quite ready to call those seasons flukes. Certainly, I wouldn't say playoff wins. Like there were cer- maybe Super Bowl wins. You can argue there was something fluky about. No, no, the no. They one. had legitimate. No, but, they went into Green Bay and whooped the Packers. I'm, but I'm saying the season as a whole, like, you know, it, it was not. Yes, if you besides replay those, those seasons. If you replay yeah. those seasons, you know, those Giants teams, unlikely. But, but forget about that. You were just talking about the year before that, the year before that. This team has not spent one second above 500 since 2016. 
Yeah, yeah. And, and really, I've talked about fluky years. That that 2016 season was the flukiest of all their seasons. They were like 11 and 5 that year. That was yeah. that was kind of silly and gave them – that was actually the worst thing that could have possibly happened – that can happen to a team in a lot of ways where, like, you know, things are going bad, going bad, going bad. And then you have this crazy fluke season, especially with a new first-year head coach at the time. And suddenly you think, you know what? We actually are on the right path when the reality is it was a complete fluke. And actually com- through that uh, – the last – Five, six years, you can argue, are happened because of that one completely fluky year. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I've talked. I remember I used to feel this way when, like, Mike Tice was my coach and Brad Childress is my coach. Like, you want to root for your team to succeed, but you know that if they somehow weasel nine and seven and into the playoffs, you're stuck with him for another year, which in the yes. long term is bad for your year. I mean, and that's what you guys have had with Gettleman. I mean, but now you've been cycling through coach after coach after coach, and, you know, they've all been big failures. Um, Let's talk about, you know, obviously the big story here is you brought in a new coach. You brought in a new GM. I guess since you have New York in your team name, you figure to import people who, you know, are from the franchise that actually plays in New York. So Dayball and Joe and Joe Schoen come from the Bills. I, I would say that as a head coach, like the reason Dayball is a head coach is because, well, first of all, he's probably most famous for being white and not being Brian Flores, right? <laughs> like, well, oh, it- that's just this past off season. Before that, I don't think yeah, anyone thought sure, about that yeah, stuff. Yeah. But in January, February, I was like, "Oh, who, who's the who's the Giants coach? Oh, it's the Brian who's white and is not Brian Flores." Yeah, that's yes. right. Um, he's here because of Josh Allen becoming a super duper star over the last two years, right? Yes, arguably both of them are. But at the same time, you could say he deserves a ton of credit. He he deserves all the credit for that. Argue other than what Josh Josh Allen obviously himself putting a lot of work in this too. But, you know, he was coming in. People thought it was a joke that he was going, that he was drafted as high as he was. Guys mm. with his with his pedigree never end up doing well. Yeah, he's got a you know, classic guy, gigantic arm, no accuracy. No one – it's so rare that someone actually gains accuracy after coming to the league. It's usually – yeah, he's he's just one of those guys. That, that's one of those guys people take and everyone laughs at them. And the Bills were kind of a joke at the time also. And people are like, all right, yeah, the Bills. All right, this is this is a classic Bills pick. Not realizing that that was early on in that in the new regime over there, also with with Brandon Bean, and um, it was actually the beginning of turning things around for them. And uh, you know, so Dable is not just you know he he wasn't just a passenger along for the ride in that case. Um, you know, he's which arguably you could say the the offensive coordinator they have, Mike Kafka. He you know he's been working with Patrick Mahomes the last few years. You could say he was the guy who was along for the ride, as opposed to Brian Dable, who was responsible arguably for for what happened there in Buffalo. Yeah, I mean, here's the question, though. Like, if he was such a – like, he's been an OC for eight years. Prior to the last two years, he had never had an offense that was even top 20. Like, he wasn't good in Cleveland. He wasn't good in Miami. He wasn't good in Kansas City. He wasn't good, you know, the first couple of years in Buffalo. So <laughs> how, how come he could make turn magic with Josh Allen but not with any of the other quarterbacks and offenses he had in the previous six, the six years before that? That's a good question. I, You know, I, I'll be honest. I haven't gone through each of those situations, um, you know, Cleveland, Cleveland, you know, what are you going to say sure. about stuff like that? But, yeah. but, you know, he, he's, he's been, he's been around. He's, you know, he's grown. He went back to college. He was back at, at, at Alabama for a little bit also. And, uh, you know, it's possible. He just sort of figured things out. His system um, may just be something that works better in, in the very modern NFL where it didn't work quite as well at, at some more recent stops or, you know, sometimes you just, you find that guy who, who fits your system perfectly, you know, so, so to your point, yeah, maybe it is just like Josh Allen is so special that once he got Josh Allen to the point that he's at, you know, he made the system work. And it's not the system itself. 
I'm not the X's and O's guy who's going to sit here and tell you that's not the case. From everything I've heard, it sounds like his system is extremely, uh, you know, um, modern and, and work very is going to work very well uh, going forward, should work very well going forward. Whether or not, you know, that can save uh, the career of someone like Daniel Jones, it's to be seen. I, you know, I'm sure we'll get to the details of that shortly. Um, but it, it's definitely a fair question to ask. And, and there's also a fair question to ask, look, he, he finally worked as an OC. He's always been an OC. Who's to say he's going to work as a head coach? You know, we don't know that either. But uh, I, but I'm definitely uh, personally, I'm excited to see what happens. I'm excited for for uh, for for what's to come. I think this is a much more positive addition than they've had with a lot of the guys in the past. You know, um, other offensive minds, guys like a Pat Shermer who can run a, a really really good offense, um, but has shown in the past that he didn't work as a head coach. And you know, a lot of these guys, you you, you want to believe that they learned over time. You know, they got older and, and now they figure out what what's going to be with a head with. At what what they can do as a head coach, as a certain basketball coach who coached your team and now is coaching my team, we're seeing in most cases that that doesn't work. You know, if, if you don't have it, you don't have it. So hopefully, you know, someone like him can show that you know when he's finally given the opportunity that it, that it does work out. So if you had to rate your your confidence level from one to ten, where are you on Dable as your head coach? Um, not. I, I don't know where to put it. I somewhere in the middle. I'd put it as a five. I, I don't know what to think about it. I, I have no real strong opinion on him, but I will say that uh, my, I do have, have some confidence in the person who hired him. Um, he seems like J, J, Joe Shane. So it's pronounced Joe Shane. It's pronounced, spelled Shane. Shown, it's pronounced Shane. Okay, Shane, um, Shane, Shane seems like a really smart guy. He coming from a good system. He's worked, you know, he's worked his way up from the bottom, you know, the type of guy you want at the right age. Um, and, you know, from, from everything we've seen him do so far, he definitely seems like someone who understands uh, at least where the team is. And look, the, the basis for comparison I have is obviously extremely, extremely low. Um, but he definitely seems like someone who knows what he's doing. I was a little bit surprised that he immediately went and brought in, you know, he's, he's hitching his wagon to someone from where he came from in Buffalo, from where he came, um, you know, deciding that this is going to be his guy to start. He's he's basically putting all his eggs in this basket. It seems like um, if he picked someone from a different organization, if he picked someone, you know, um, if he did, if he did a more, I, they said they did a very exhaustive search. But you know, and we saw they interviewed a lot of people. Everyone knows the story with Brian Flores, as was already <laughs> mentioned. Um, it seems like they did a very exhaustive search. But at the end of the day, if you end up coming back to the guy who was with you from the beginning, how exhaustive a search was it really? Um, it's you like know, when Dick for, Cheney uh, was the. Uh head of the search party for George W. Bush to choose a vice presidential candidate. I, I did not know what was going on at that time, thankfully, yeah. but yeah, that seems like a, a very, uh, a, a good example of that. So, yeah. you know, crazy, he's definitely crazy coincidence. He somehow ended up yeah. uh, picking himself. Um, so, yeah. so, you know, I think he, he's, so, the, so I do have some faith in Dayball in that Shane decided that it was worthwhile for him to be his guy. So, um, so from that perspective, I'm hopeful, but we'll see. Look, he's like I said, he's never done it before. You, as you pointed out, he it took him a long time to finally have real success, um, as an, even just as an OC. So you know, who knows? We'll see. And what about uh, you know you have a new defensive coordinator, of course, in Wink Martindale. So uh, Dayball is responsible for the offense. Wink is in the defense. Uh, what's your what's your feelings there? <clears throat> so he obviously had uh, some tremendous defenses with the Ravens for a long time. It was pretty surprising. So, so here, it, it here, took here, one year. Here's where I got some stats for you because uh, he was the defense coordinator there for four years. 
And every year they were worse than the year before. Now, the first three, they were still very good. They went from like number one and number four to number seven or something like that. But um, they did get slightly worse each year. And then, of course, they, uh, you know, completely collapsed last year. And that's when uh, he ends up in now. But I think it's interesting that they that, it's interesting that, you know, he was, you know, like you're saying, top seven for three years in a row. And then the one year he's bad, they're like, you know what, we got to get rid of this guy. That's definitely that wasn't a positive sign. Um, but and it's he very also took over to be fair. Like when he became the defense coordinator, the, the Ravens already had been the top five defense for like year after year after year. So, right. So, right. So, look, like you know, there's definitely something to be said for that. Um, you can also look at the team last year and realize that you know, part of his system is, is uh, you know, sending a lot of pressure and having his corners locked down. And they have had historic cornerback injuries last year, so he was basically screwed from the get go. Uh, you know, you'd hope someone like this, a, a defensive coordinator could adjust to the situation they're in. Sometimes that's hard on the fly like that, you know, after the season's already started, um, which is something that actually makes me a little bit nervous because the Giants, if there's one thing they don't have, it's corners who can cover at all. So, but you'd have to believe that this guy has been doing this for long enough that, um, and, and they brought him in for a reason that they have confidence that he can adjust to the roster that he has. Um, but so, so again, I, for someone like him, I'm, I, I don't know what to expect because especially because this the defense has so many holes um but you know in a lot of cases but for for the most part here it's really about competence it's about seeing what where they can go from here for the first time in a long time i don't i actually don't even care at all what happens this season like i don't you know although i mean i in the past i guess i cared that they'd be bad because i wanted to get rid of because from the get-go gettleman was a complete disaster um but you know, this is this season is going to be it's going to be a very interesting one as a Giants fan. I think for the first time we're really we're really starting from scratch, and and it's not it really really isn't about wins and losses. It's about you know what do we have here? Who can grow? What what are, what are these coaches working with? And um, right now it's not a lot, certainly. Um, but if not know, wins I'm, and I'm losses, not... how do you judge those things at the end of this season? So well, look, it's our first year. I mean. We've seen we've seen a number of Giants coaches over the last a number of new Giants coaches over the last six or seven years, and you know you could judge by levels of chaos certainly, um, but I you know I think it's going to be about seeing what the players are what what who they've developed what they can develop um, you know starting from the top who's Daniel Jones you know what are what are they able to do with him compare compare what they what they were able to do with him what the last offensive coordinator and the offensive coordinator that before that were able to do with him um you know just get a sense of uh direction for a team like this because even in the past when it seemed even two years ago in the first year of joe judge where you know they had a really bad record but for a lot of people looked at that season and said you know what it, this seems like it's turned this seems like we have a steady hand on the wheel it seems like um, but what what makes you? Pardon me. What was that based off? I mean, yeah. I had this running co- thing with uh, with yes. uh, our mutual friend Amy Sutton, who's a Giants fan. I never understood why any Giants. I mean, you hire a new coach, of it's course, you come in hopeful. But I never understood why Giants yeah. fans liked him uh, from the beginning. He was. I thought he his first game he made. I forget what it was, but he made some terrible fourth down or clock or, or score go for it. Some kind of decision like that. He's the very first game of his very first season. And I was like, oh, this guy sucks. And 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 even like even when the Giants fans were at the depths, like there was like these memes and videos of Giants fans so depressed, like, but we still got judge, we still got judge, fist bump. Like they still liked him. And I, I never understood why. Like, explain to me what it was about what was the cult of Joe Judge? Like, yeah. what was the source of that? <clears throat> so it's a really good question. So the the original cult of Joe Judge started from his initial press conference. He got up there and actually said the right things, which again, it was coming from Mike Shermer. 
Pat Shermer, sorry. And before that, Ben McAdoo. And before that, the last few years of Coughlin, um, it really felt for once like there was an adult in the room. And, you know, he had some sort of pedigree that made people believe this. You know, partially it was he, he was he was in Alabama. He was at the Patriots. He had some sort of like a master's degree in, in, in like teaching or something like that. And, and people really, really wanted to believe that this was the time. And this was the guy and he was young and he, we, we were just going to grow with Joe Judge. And I was definitely skeptical from the beginning, though slightly hopeful, while also in the back of my head thinking, I, I hope this implodes because we got to get rid of Gettleman. This, whatever we do, it has to, we, we need a fresh start. Um, but but the, it really did start with that initial press conference. Giants fans were got, the, he got them hook, line, and sinker. He said all this, you know, it was very like Parcelsian. Like everyone really felt like this was, this was like the old school guy who's going to bring us back. And, you know, to answer your question about when, you know, what really gave them hope as that went through, you're right. There, were, there was definitely stuff early on that that was questionable. There was definitely in-game stuff that was questionable, but he was new and people felt like, you know, give, give him a little bit of, you know, cut him a little bit of slack. Um, but really what gave people hope even after the season ended was that one game where they beat Seattle in Seattle. That was it. That was his entire resume after the season. That was the entire, the, the, the front office, the ownership talked about growth. You want to see growth. Really, the the only thing that they had to hang things they had to hang their hat on were that one victory with Colt McCoy playing quarterback, and the fact that the rest of the NFC East was so bad that they were in technically in contention for the division going into the last week of the season. That was literally all anyone had to go on, and for whatever reason, that you know, that was it. I will say, I do think Judge got a little bit of the short end of the stick here. I think that he, 90% of that was his own doing because he spent way too much time, you know, pumping him, you know, talking about how he, he was the man, he was in charge, he was taking responsibility. And, you know, when you're coming into a situation, you don't have, you, you can barely, you can't even fill out a staff by yourself. You have to have them bring in an offensive coordinator and they choose to bring in none other than Jason Garrett and you're hitching your wagon to Jason Garrett. You're, I don't even know what to say. Like it, it's his own fault for, for being so confident that he was going to be able to figure things out while Jason Garrett was the running completely running his offense. So. Yep. Um, you know, the funny thing about this team is that they were four and 13 and they were very bad last year, but somehow they were still way over the cap. I mean, they lost a lot more talent at least from free agency, we'll get to the draft. Obviously they had two top seven picks in a second. Uh, James Bradbury, who, you know, a decent corner, he's gone. Evan Engram, Logan Ryan, Jabril Preppers, both their safeties, um, a bunch of other guys who probably, they won't miss too much. Um, but you know, you, you got, you, because of the trade, you got the, the second top seven pick. And so you have Kayvon Thibodeau at edge and Evan Neal at tackle. And, and the hope is that those are, those are two building blocks. Uh, you know, tell me your sort of your instant reaction to those two picks and any other thoughts you have about the, the rest of their draft in April. Yeah. Oh, well, so just to go back to the free agent thing and the salary cap thing. Yeah, it was, it, it's impossible to really get your wreck your brain around how bad a job Gettleman did mm. when it came to bringing in free agents, spending the money, the direction, just everything was just, he was so clueless, so delusional. They really thought they were always just like, we're just a few players away from day one. It, it was just, it's mind blowing the awful decisions they made and then how they compounded 
that awfulness with each ensuing offseason. So, yeah, so they are like Joe Shane stepped in here to like just such a horrific cap situation, a horrific roster situation and made the smart decision, which Gettleman should have made four years, you know, when he started was we need to tear this thing down. You know, there's a reason you you're, you're picking so high in the draft like this. This it was a disaster. And it, and and so so Shane just cut almost everybody. You know, at the very end, you mentioned Bradbury. He didn't, really didn't want to cut that Bradbury. But he he just didn't have a he didn't have a choice in the end. They they couldn't they tried to trade him. Everyone knew they had to cut him. You know he's definitely a useful player. You know they only saved like ten million under the cap for that. But like they were so desperate that you know one of the things Gettleman did the previous year is you know even when when they were out of it like from from day one they were restructuring. He restructured almost every contract on the roster. Some contracts even restructured multiple times just to be able to fill in a fifty three man roster on, on on game day. Like the money, the dead cap that they have on for for so many of these guys is it, it it's it's mind blowing. It, it just you you really have to be trying to be as incompetent as he was. So so we're really starting from like complete scratch here. Um, the roster has very very few cornerstones. Very I would say I don't know. You could argue it it has one, and that's it. Going into the draft, they only had one, and that that was. Um, that was the uh, you know offensive tackle um, Andrew Thomas who they took a couple of years ago who also wasn't even they could have done so much better with that pick than they did but at least Andrew Thomas is a really he, he's a good player who was really good at times and and with some continuity hopefully and, and good health he should um, he should he should be one cornerstone so coming into the draft after the last few drafts and all the disappointment that we've had um, the fact you know once Houston took Stingley. And it became clear that either that either um, Thibodeau or Gardner would be available at our pick. I was ecstatic. Gardner went to the Jets. We weren't sure. There was a lot of rumors that that no one really wanted Thibodeau might fall a lot. Like he he might he might really drag. When the Giants took him, I was ecstatic. He is arguably the best player in the draft. He you know I I you know I really could not be happier about that. Coming back you know following that pick then then. Getting to number seven, personally, I was kind of hoping they were going to trade it, but I did. But I, noticing that there was a you know a, a top offensive tackle on the board, um, I definitely was understood them taking him. I wasn't like thrilled. I'm a, I was a little skeptical about having two um, very high draft picks at the tackle spots. It's just you end up spending a ton of money um, on the. Grant, those are two really important spots. But that's a lot of money to have wrapped up um, in 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 just those in those two positions on the line. But I guess if you're going to have it at any of those are two good ones to have it on. So uh, I'm definitely really, really happy about those two guys. It does feel like they probably have three cornerstones right now. Um, good place to start. Granted, you know, it, you still need the quarterback. It doesn't mean anything without the quarterback, but um, which is why part of why I wanted them to trade that number seven pick backwards, hoping that they can get a little more ammo for next year's draft so that they could eventually trade up if they needed to. Um, if they needed to is being the big thing there. There's a good chance they won't need to. But if they, need chance to, they won't, to, won't need to because you think Daniel Jones is coming back or because they're going to be bad enough, they're going to have a topic anyway. Oh, because they're going to be bad enough to have a topic oh, okay. anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, no. I, I look, Daniel Jones might be back too. I, I don't know. I'm not ready to put, but not not because he's the franchise. I, I have I have no confidence that Daniel Jones is the franchise here in that they're going to be. I think he can be, I think he's talented. I think he could be a good quarterback. I think that there's still a lot that's lacking. Um but for me, first and foremost, when it comes to Daniel Jones, is the guy can't stay on the field. He hasn't had a healthy season yet. And, and you just 
four seasons in the league, if you can't stay on the field, if you can't expect the guy to be healthy, then there's nothing to talk about. You, you can't hit your wagon to this guy. And, and, I and mean, I, we've seen healthy so, Daniel Jones. I don't know if you can hit your wagon to that guy either. Uh, yes, but look, assuming Daniel, even if Dayball can come in and work all sorts of magic, Josh mm. Allen style magic, and get him to this point, if he's only playing 12 games a season or nine games a season, then like, yeah. what are we, you know, you, just, you have to be, this is the Eli Manning lesson. The number, the most important ability is availability. Yeah. And, you know, he hasn't shown that. And look, maybe he turns it around, maybe figures out a way to stay healthy. Maybe uh, having a, a decent offensive line or even a good offensive line can, can help him in that regard. Um, I don't know, but to this point, he hasn't show, even shown that. So I, I don't, I have no confidence personally that, that he's going to be the answer going forward. Yeah. I mean, you look at the offense and, you know, assuming this is the last year of the Daniel Jones mistake, uh, by the way, Ty- Tyra Taylor's here for some reason. I don't understand what, the, what's the purpose of that? Like, but anyway, um, but the, the Saquon Barkley mistake, you know, that still has more time to go. The Kenny Galladay mistake, that still has more time to go. Saquon last year, uh, was ranked 58th out of the 62 running backs who qualified uh, for PFF grades. Um, That's really bad. Leaving aside, obviously, the the tremendous, uh, you know, loss of value of of taking a running back there at all. But he he hasn't even been, you know, like the Adrian Peterson generational running back you were hoping for, other than one season, basically. Yeah, yeah. So uh, a big problem for Barkley has been health, obviously. Um, You know, that's if you, you know, last year, a lot of that was also because he was coming off the ACL. It's very hard to judge a guy first year off an ACL, but I don't want to even want to even setting all that aside. He was never going to live up to, to being the number two pick. He's not that good at running back. He, you know, he has all sorts of issues. He, you know, he's look, he's a freak. He's an athletic freak. He's, you know, he, he can run guys over. He's super fast, you know, get, get him the ball in space. And, you know, who knows what can happen, but that's not what a running back is. It's not the running back's job. The running back's job is to get the ball in the backfield when you don't have space and see holes and, and, you know, be patient and wait for holes. And he's terrible at both of those things. Um, Part of the job is also to be able to block when, you know, you're not getting the ball. You can't do that either. He is not a good running back, period. Like he's not, he's not, he could be a good weapon. He could be, he could end, look healthier this year. I think, you know, I think he's going to be a lot, first I'll, off the battle. He's going to be but a lot. Why did Devontae Booker average not just more yards per carry yards per attempt, but also receiving more yards per reception right. and yards per. So, target. so yes, look, no, that might be, him on the field, in third down, more obvious passing. I don't know. But. Yeah. Yeah. So right. A, a big, a big part, part problem with, for Saquon last year was when Saquon was on the field, you knew it was going to happen. This goes back to Jason Garrett. He was super unimaginative. He never put guys in motion. He never, he never faked any, he, he was, he was really not working, not, he, he was not doing anything that was going to help, that was going to help Saquon get, you know, be, become who he could be. They, they did nothing to put him in a position to succeed. And, and there, there are a lot of ways he can succeed. And he showed that in certain cases, there was one play, I didn't even remember where, who was against um, in such a miserable year. A lot of it just goes together, but he ran like a, an awesome wheel route. He ended up with like a 60 yard touchdown pass. Like he could have, he was never put in positions to do stuff like that. And uh, or rarely, I should say. So, you know, I, I think that this year he's definitely going to be a lot better. I think for all the fantasy people out there, if you want to talk, look up from a fantasy perspective, I, I strongly consider taking Saquon, you know, it, you know, as a top 10 running back for sure. Right. I, I, I don't imagine he's going there, but I, I think that, I think they're going to put him in positions to succeed. I think they're not going to do something else that they were doing in the past where they were like saving him. Like, I, I don't know why you, how you could take a guy second overall and be like, you know what we have to do? We have to make sure you don't get hurt. So we're going to only use you in like certain situations and not that often. And, and like, you know, they're going to use him. They, they have, they have no reason not to just 
give him the ball all the time. So, so I think that he's going to get a lot of opportunities this year. If, if there's something for him to show, I, I think he's going to show it now. Um, but I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. I think that there's, there's just a lot that holds him back. He's just not, like I said, he's not a good running back. He's, you know, he's good. He might be a really good football player, but um, he's going to have to be used in a way that, that, um, that accentuates that as opposed to uh, the way he's been used at this point. Um, yeah. I'm just looking at the, the biggest free agent signing this team made, I think was uh, Glowinski, the guard. Yeah. Um, yeah. And as you said, you have Andrew Thomas and you have another tackle, you know, a rookie. So hopefully the offensive line should be improved. Let's talk about the defense for a second. So we talked about, so Patrick Graham, did they fire him or he just left to go to the Raiders? No. So actually, so he left, they, they gave him the opportunity to, to, yeah. um, you know, interview yeah. if he wanted to, uh, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't Dayball's guy. He wasn't Shane's guy, but they were very happy to keep me. He was a good defensive coordinator. Um, but he decided in the end to go to the Raiders with his friend, um, uh, Josh McDaniel. And, uh, and then the, that's when the giants moved over and grabbed Martindale. Yeah. I mean, this might be, uh, this might be damning them with faint praise, but like they have some, you know, NFL caliber starters on this defense, Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams, Dory Jackson, you know, these guys are, are they're yeah. not all scrubs. Yeah, no. And, and if what's his name is healthy, if, uh, um, uh, Blake Martinez, Blake Martinez comes up, can come off his ACL. If he could be healthy in the middle of that defense, uh, the front seven on the defense can be pretty good, can be pretty good. Um, you know, the secondary, like you said, you know, they have a Dory Jackson. He's a good cornerback. The problem is he's a good cornerback. Number two, he's probably not a good cornerback. Number one. And if you look at the rest of the cornerbacks on the roster, I do you, have you heard of any of them before? If you have a list in front of you, yeah, you know, <laughs> tell me wh- which one have you heard of? <laughs> Uh, Cordell Flott, Cord- Cordell Flott, Cordell Flott, who's hopefully going to play the slot, was their Michael third round Jackett pick this year. The third, uh, yeah, they um, there's not much going on back there. Um, hopefully, Aaron Robinson. They got, they got a Jaron and a Darren, and an Aaron. Um, Jaron, Aaron, Darren. Those are the, those are their third, fourth, and fifth corners right now yeah. on the depth chart. Yes, fourth so they um. There. Yeah, so there. So hopefully Aaron Robinson. He was our third round pick last year. He was a little bit injured at the beginning of the season, but but he's a pretty talented guy, and they're hoping that he can step into the the CB two slot. Um, you know, Darnay Holmes was a fourth round pick a few years ago. He's had some good moments. Hopefully he'll be the nickelback. If not, Flot will will be in there. Um, you know, Rodarius Williams got hurt last year. He was a sixth round pick last year, but he was looking really good in camp. Although he wasn't great at the beginning of the year. He's Greedy Williams' older brother. Hopefully he can uh, you know come back from his ACL injury and and contribute, but. But the, the CB2 position is going to be is, uh, you know, is likely to be a disaster. And if you can't cover people, you know, what are you as a defense? So it, it th- this is the main reason why I think that if this this year is they basically have have no hope for being they'll probably end up with the top five to seven pick again, no matter how competent the coaching is, no matter how how what what steps guys on offense end up taking. I, I just don't see how they're going to be able to stop people on, on defense. Like you just quarterbacks, the most, basically the most important position on defense right now. And, and if you don't have guys who can cover, you know, you're, you're toast. All right. Well, let's talk about uh, how, how they're going to end up. Let's do a quick schedule game as the, the clock is running low here. Um, you know, one benefit of, of being last place and being in a terrible division is they have one of the easy schedules in football. So, you know, they might accidentally win five or six games, but let's see uh, week one, you start at Tennessee. Yeah, they're not going to win that game. All right. And then you come home and you're home all the way, almost until Halloween, like a very fi- a five game, very long homestand here. Uh, Carolina. Um, that could go either way. Um, you know, home, home, new coaching staff, 
home opener. We could call that a win. All right. And then Dallas on Monday night. That's that's probably a loss. And then Chicago. Chicago's pretty bad also. And that, that game's at home. That's at home. Yeah. Okay. We could, we could maybe, maybe they'll pull that one out also. Yeah. And then Green Bay. Sorry. That's a home game, but that's uh, played. That's in England, I think. Right. Okay. Yeah. Either way, yeah. they, Chicago's a team. So, yeah. So technically a home game, but yeah, not. Okay. No, so I'm, so I'm win, not sure they win will get but... Chicago two yeah. and two. Then they play. Then they go across the pond. They play the Packers. Yes. Yeah, okay. That's a loss. And then, um, and then back home again for their fifth consecutive home game against the Ravens. Yeah, it's also a loss. Okay, two and four. And then you go on a road trip against two of the worst teams, Jacksonville and Seattle. Uh, like yeah. as far as you um, can get, opposite ends of the country. Yeah, um, I'm sure the second one of those in Seattle, even with no quarterback, that's they probably don't have a lot of hope. But um, I maybe they could pull out the Jags. Even that, I'm with competent coaching over there. I think that's probably a loss also. All right. So two and six. And then after the bye at home, boy, the schedule is so easy at Houston at home against yeah. Houston and Detroit. Yeah. They're, they're going to beat Houston. I I'd like to think they're going to beat Houston at home. I think they should probably beat Detroit at home also. All right. So two game winning streak, four and six, and they go at Dallas. And this is a, a heavy divisional uh, second half of the schedule. So at Dallas is a loss four and seven. Then they play Washington at home. They've had a lot of success against Washington in the past. Who's quarterbacking over there? Uh, Carson Wentz, uh, commanders are a pretty solid team outside of quarterback, but I think the giants should be able to pull that one off at home. All right. So five and seven, and then you play the Eagles at home. That's, that's going to be a loss. I All think. right. Five and eight. And then you go at Washington. I think that's a loss too. five and nine at Minnesota. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.